Digiday Podcast. I'm Kaylee Barber, media editor at Digiday. And I'm Kamiko McCoy, senior marketing reporter here at Digiday. Kamiko, this episode is opening up for December. Well, I can't even say it's like the unofficial kickoff to like the holiday season because I feel like we've been in full swing for a couple months now. But um, yeah, are you like getting into the festive holiday spirit or what your what's your kind of take on this time of the year? Because it's also just crazy hectic work wise. So I understand if you're not fully in the holiday swing yet. 100%. I actually am somebody who has um, my Christmas tree up already. (laughs) (laughs) My Christmas tree has actually been up um, since the week before Thanksgiving. Um, I have seen this meme floating around online that makes me giggle where it's like after, after Halloween, the day after Halloween, as soon as November starts, it's Christmas. And then like specifically Thanksgiving day is Thanksgiving. And then we revert right back to Christmas. And I, I am a perpetrator. 100%. I am. Yeah. I mean, tis the season. You have to have some of that jolly joy going on when, you know, the industry is just going crazy. (laughs) Um, Gestures toward the industry. (laughs) Yes. Um, But speaking of, um, and you did reference, you know, circulating memes. So your guest for this week is Alfonso Terrell, who is the co-founder of the Spill app um, and also a former Twitter employee. But Spill is one of the like, quote unquote, competitors to Twitter, right? Yeah, I think um, the Fonz was probably uh, a fantastic way to, to end the year of a podcast for us um, because of the anniversary of Twitter. Obviously, we talk about Elon Musk's turbulent takeover of the social media platform that was once kind of the, um, I guess, the internet's town square. And then when that happened, you had a slew of um, text-based social media apps, including Spill, vying to be that next town square, that next town center. But what makes Spill different is that it's a place that creates a more of a home for queer, non-binary people of color online. Um, and that's kind of the the differentiating factor that they're they're pitching there. So it'll be interesting to see how that that goes, especially when you consider the creator economy and kind of how social uh, as a landscape is changing. Yeah. And so did the Fonz talk about how 2024 is looking in terms of like community outreach strategies or, you know, trying to build like a a good user base on the platform? 100%. Also the Fonz, LOL. I, he did not agree to that name at all. Oh, <laughs> well, you said it so confidently. All right. Well, that's his new nickname, I guess. <laughs> It is. I think you, what's going into this, there's absolutely a, there's a roadmap that they've got um, in their brain, which I think is um, really going to be exciting to see kind of how this all shakes out and shapes up. Um, one of the things is the creator economy that is something that they're looking to get in in, in on, excuse me, but um, they're not shying away from advertisers. They've got some work coming out um, with like movies. They've released some new product updates and features and things like that, that they're working on constantly. Um, one of the most recent collaborations they did was with, with, Carrie Washington, um, Scandal's own. Um, so I think the the roadmap ahead is a lot of learning from what we have already seen in the social media landscape and building on top of that, trying to avoid some of those same mistakes that have been made before, um, while also catering to both audiences and advertisers. So uh, a, a third internet space here, and it, it'll be interesting to see kind of how this all unfolds. 
I will let you guys get into the conversation, but just quickly, a quick plug for another show that we have rolling for the end of the year. We will have another episode of Ad Tech Oral History from Seb Joseph and Ronan Shields on this channel coming up on Monday, December 11th, and the guest is Ari Paparo, so make sure you listen for that, but Kamiko, go ahead and get into it with Alfonso slash the Fonz. I hope he's not (laughs) mad at us for giving him that nickname. Hi, Fonz, and welcome to the Digiday Podcast. I am so excited to have you. How are you today? Hi, Kamiko. I am well. How are you? I am so glad to be reconnected. The last time I think we talked was overlooking the water in Cannes. How have you been since then? Uh, quite a lot has happened since then, yes. That that auspicious... Uh, Do we even eat get, get breakfast that morning? I forget. But it was a, it was a lovely view. It was, it was great to meet you then. Yeah, I think you had... I had coffee and you had tea and and they judged you. It seemed like they were judging you for getting tea. They definitely they definitely judged me. The French people judged me, but that's okay. I, I take that as a, a signal of uh, affection from the French. We'll try it again next year. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm excited to have you. Obviously, it's been a year since the, the turbulent takeover of Twitter, now X, and the launch of Spill. So I'm excited to talk to you a little about what's been happening since then, but First, I'm going to do what I always do, which is start with a fun question. How does that sound? Let's do it. What has been your favorite meme or moment from the Spill community? Ooh, great question. It is tough to choose because there are so many. It's tough. I mean, we had Alabama Avengers. That was a pretty legendary day on the internet, but especially on spill. Ooh, it wasn't just a day. I would say it was a, it was a season <laughs> that, that conversation endured. That's up there. I'd have to say one of my favorite memes that I've seen extremely recently was, it, it, it's tough to even call it like a meme per se, um, but it was actually really sincere Somebody said that they told their therapist about Spill and it triggered this reaction where all these other people were quoting it being like, I've told my therapist about Spill. No, I I thought I was the only one. And it was pretty remarkable. So that was like, you know, a sincere moment, but but pretty, pretty amazing. And, And people sharing that they were telling their therapist because it was something that was encouraging to them. It was, you know, Spill was a place that was good for their mental health. So that was pretty fun. It's been a year at this point, a little over a year since, like we said, the takeover of Twitter and your layoff and moving to create what is now Spill. So I would love to have you walk me through what that journey has been like thus far. Yes, it has been a journey to say the least. I think it really you know, began like all journeys. There were seeds of it many years ago in meeting my co-founder, Devaris Brown. We were in the new hire orientation at Twitter um, together. We were one of the few black folks in the new hire group, became fast friends. We both loved music and culture, but we had very complementary skill sets and became you know, pretty clear that we should do something together pretty fast. He is a incredible entrepreneur himself. He has started companies 
um, and, and a technologist and, you know, really accomplished and worked for big brands uh, and big platforms. Like he was the product manager at Fisco, worked at Twitter, of course, did a bunch of things in that space, but also has another Series A startup. So he really was the first person to tell me, bro, you're a CEO. I can show you the blueprint. Let me know when you're ready. And so this was years ago. And fast forward to last November 4th, uh, the day of infamy, when me and, or I should say, 3,700 of my colleagues and I were let go all at once. And that night I called him and I said, hey, it's time. I think between the two of us, we have such you know, the background, the experience, but we're still young enough that we can go out and do the startup thing uh, with all the energy that it takes to do it. And I think if we do this together, it'll be really successful. And so that was really the beginning of Spill. And from there, it's been pretty remarkable. Within three months, we had secured our first funding, uh, our first pre-seed round, uh, $2.75 million that was uh, wrapped up by February um, and then when you and I met in June, uh, we were just literally days away from releasing the Spill invite-only beta on iOS. And we, I think at the time, had about 80,000 people on the wait list. But our plan was we're going to go very deliberately, <laughs> very slowly. We're going to let in like 5,000 people a week and test and learn. And by, I think it was three weeks later, it was the July 4th weekend uh, there was some turmoil on some other platforms and the word got out about Spill. And so we have an invite system. So everybody that was in the app had three invites. And so those three people could invite three people and so on and so forth. And within four or five days, 150,000 people had joined Spill. And it was incredible. Uh, and it was, you know, just exactly the the audience that we had wanted to build for from the beginning. It was black folks. It was queer folks. It was, you know, people who are really driving culture online um, just en masse. And so that really accelerated. I mean, our goal by the end of the year, Kavika, <laughs> was let's maybe get like 25,000 people and we'll, we'll call it a success. And so we just blew past all our goals. So we really had to accelerate our timeline. We had to go back and do some more fundraising. Uh, we had to you know, beef up our team. And we've been doing that for the last four months. Um, and it's really been incredible. And now we're gearing up for another wave of big releases uh, to come uh, at the end of this year and the beginning of next year. I think the timing here is really interesting because what what we're witnessing is like this fragmentation that's happening in social where people are looking for communities. And I think what happened with now X, if I'm not mistaken, at the time, there were some changes to how people could use the platform, how many tweets you could send out and things like that, which sent people kind of skyrocketing to platforms like Spill looking for those things. So curious, what does that engagement look like now? Yeah, it's been pretty amazing. I think we, to that point, there's been a lot of those moments where something changes on X or something changes on another platform and people are like, oh, I'm over this. And I think that really speaks to a fundamental truth that a lot of these platforms, you know, just aren't serving the needs of people anymore. You know, they've been around for a minute. You know, we forget that like, some of these are like 15, 20 years old at this point. And of course, they're innovating. But 
um, it's really time for something new and something, you know, fresh in the space. And I think people are really hungry for it. Um, so for us, you know, we got that initial wave. And so like most initial waves, it's like, oh my God, let's run over here. And, you know, and then, you know, you see what happens over time. And so what we saw was we had this great initial wave, you know, the platform was, you know, buzzing great. We were like, and I'm super proud of my tech teams, by the way, because we did not go down, you know, we 30 X our audience in five days and, you know, everything was still running pretty fine. Um, and then what we started seeing was, you know, I, I was assuming people were going to be like, oh, I came from this platform and I'm just here to find out, you know, what's going on. But what we started to see was a core of people who like love spill the like communities forming within the platform itself, uh, foodie spill, art spill, music spill. Uh, the community started organizing around different activities. Um, so you probably remember live tweeting from 10 years ago. Well, people started live spilling, picking a, a movie and saying, hey, everybody at this time, press play. We're all going to come to spill together and, you know, watch it and uh, spill and chat like a giant group chat, like family. And that started happening um, pretty quickly after that. And so what we started, you know, when we took a step back and, um, the, you know, the thing with all of this is we can look at the numbers, and the engagement, which was amazing. We had, um, 45% of people who joined spill created a spill within the first 12 hours. So it's a very creative, heavy platform. And that compares to the platform formerly known as Twitter, where only 8% of people ever created anything, right? Most people were sort of lurking and, you know, just you know, bopping around and stuff. And then what we started seeing over the last few months is that the average number of spills, our versions of posts and, and comments per day started increasing. Um, so in, I think, April or sorry, April, in August, um, it was about 12. And now it's about 16 per person per day on average. People are either spilling or commenting. So it's just an incredibly engaged community. And I think the the beauty of it that we're even seeing now is the community is starting to organize offline meetups there. You know, we have ATL spill and Spillican Valley and Philadelphia and, you know, Houston spill. And so they're getting together. So people are actually forming these relationships by meeting people that um, they've connected with on the platform. And so it's really become its own ecosystem. And so we're really encouraged by that. Um, and that's creating a lot of uh, great opportunities for us. I think one of the things that, that, like I mentioned when we first started talking, is that there's this fragmentation happening in the social media landscape right now where everybody is kind of looking for their their new home online. And it's meant a lot of coming and going of social media platforms kind of rising and falling. So curious, how is Spill positioning itself for the long haul, not just for, for uh, users, but also for advertisers and brands? Yeah, absolutely. So I'd say... First, we positioned Spill, and Devaris and I talked about this when we initially connected. We had no desire to recreate anything. There's never another anything. There's never another, you know, this or that. What we wanted to do was push the medium of social media forward. You know, when we think about the next 10, 20 years, 
what are people looking to do? How are they looking to communicate? What are the technologies that weren't available 20 years ago that can make a safer, um, more rewarding, and ultimately just more fun experience, right? Because when social works, the best parts of it, it's magical. And I think we've learned enough from the last 20 years that we should be able to increase the magic and dial back some of the, the negatives that we've seen. So we position Spill as visual conversation at the speed of culture. And what we mean by that um, visual element is really memes, meme culture, adding text on top of an image, on top of a GIF. I think we brought GIFs back <laughs> in a major way. There's a lot of GIF usage um, on the platform, even adding text to a video. This is the lingua franca of the Internet forever, you know, since there were web browsers. But what we've done is make the native uh, creative tool on the platform, you know, when you post, it actually defaults to that format. So you, if you take a picture or you upload one or you, you know, we have integrations with, you know, Giphy and other GIF libraries, uh, you can add text to it really fast. And so it's almost like a supercharged group chat rather than like, oh, I got to like make my perfect selfie and, you know, add this in this filter and all that stuff. So when we positioned it to, you know, to the community, this is this is how black folks and queer folks have behaved on. You know, we, we make our own meaning uh, all the time in real life and online. And so that's what we you know, why we built it that way. And then from a, you know, as a social media marketer by training, right, for many years, I was like, I want to build a platform that's a dream <laughs> to work with that doesn't feel like, oh, I got to learn another thing. Um, and so the way we've, you know, engaged with brands is very natural, um, whether it's an entertainment brand or a CPG brand or um, a, a concrete example uh, that I think is an amazing opportunity that we're seeing organically is the community has almost organized different days of the week around different themes. So we have Makeup Monday all the way to Face Card Friday. <laughs> and so uh, in between that, you might have a, a live spill. I think just last week, the the community did a Black Love Live Spill Film Festival and watched like Love Jones, <laughs> you know, all of that in, in sequence. So there's been some very organic integrations and opportunities for brands to plug in um, to really... Um, you know, put some, you know, shine on what the community is already doing and also create some new opportunities to just have really rich, fun conversations. So we're excited. So much of a platform's success is hinged on its power users and its revenue. So I want to dig into the idea of users first and tackle what's the strategy, product development, and things like that to keep users um, engaged, the the creator economy and, and whatnot. How are we how are we working through those things? Yeah, as mentioned, what we're doing that shouldn't be radical, but unfortunately is, is by starting with the communities that you know we come from, but also are the most engaged on social and and in media in general, right? So black women, the queer community, black women, I don't have to tell you, over index on social media usage more than any other identity group and media consumption. Yet platforms and brands like major ones just don't build for the community. They sort of, you know, a lot of the behaviors, let's build something and then, oh, we we'll figure out who the cool kids are later and then try and throw them a party once a year and keep everybody around. 
it's the exact opposite of our thesis, right? Our thesis is if we center, and it's not exclusive to, of course, anybody can join Spill and participate, but it's, hey, let's start with the culture drivers, really solve for the challenges and problems, super serve, you know, listen, you know, there's a lot of features that we didn't even think of that the community has told us they wanted that are now in there and are some of the most popular things. And so that's that was the, the whole idea. That's not just a strategy. That's the thesis and reason for Spill to be in a lot of ways. And so that has, you know, morphed into understanding also that brands and advertisers in our revenue models um, which is, you know, advertising is one part of the model, but we also um, are really looking at um, a variety of like power-ups, if you will, that, you know, ways to sort of reward and supercharge your profile. So a concrete example is in Spill, we have a feature called Colorways. So it's a very colorful platform. The top uh, navigation bar and the bottom are very loud <laughs> colors or, you can, you know, you can sort of choose them. So customizing those is sort of like, having a cool pair of shoes, yeah. right? It's like, ooh, I got I, I I got the and we name every colorway after a type of tea, you know, so there's matcha and there's chai and then there's green tea and all this other stuff. So that's one of those things that is going to be able to be even further customized through little in-app purchases or subscribing to a pro version and you'll be able to just dial up your presence on the platform, you know, add future things. I won't spill all the tea on our new feature no sets. But that's that's a huge Huge, huge opportunity as well. Um, and then for brands and um, pro consumers, pro creators, uh, we're working on a desktop version of Spill that will make scheduling and all those tools that you want and need uh, to be able to, um, you know, create content and publish it easy. Uh, we got some cool tricks up our sleeve for that coming soon that I'm excited about. Um, that That's going to be a huge source of uh, revenue for us as well. So we're looking at both of those as a means, again, of super serving um, the culture drivers. It all comes back to that. Yeah. Going back to the idea of power users, you guys have got some pretty big names on the platform. Um, Kiki Palmer, Janelle Monet, and then most recently, Carrie Washington and the Tea Parties. So talk a little bit about power users in terms of, of celebrity power users. Sure. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, pretty remarkable uh, who's <laughs> who's shown up. And we're, we're so grateful, obviously, uh, all the names you mentioned, um, uh, creators like Vibin' with Tay, if you're on TikTok, you know who Tay is, Josh O'Neill, um, uh, Questlove is on yeah. there, all that stuff. Um, and I think what we've really, again, you know, it, it comes back to the core thesis of, again, culture drivers. Though They are all culture drivers. Janelle Monet, <laughs> let's just use Janelle as a, as a great example, um, is always setting new trends, is always, you know, pushing the bar creatively. And so the values of Spill just naturally aligns. And so she joined the platform and we talked to her team and she's like, they're just like, we love it. And we're just doing fun stuff, you know, with them. Um, but Carrie, I, I, I definitely want to shout out because Carrie's really... Uh, I didn't know Carrie before Spill, and but of course was a fan. And, you know, she's got this incredible memoir, right? This book, Thicker Than Water, that she's been on this incredible, um, you know, tour talking about. And it's really personal, right? In a lot of ways, it's the purest essence of, quote unquote, spilling tea. She's talking about family secrets and things that go really deep and especially for you know, the black community and stuff like, like, these are things, you know, we don't talk about stuff a lot, yeah. you know, it's like not safe to. And so for her, 
I think it was amazing that, you know, this new feature that we were, we just put out last week uh, called Tea Parties, which is basically a way to curate a smaller conversation within the bigger platform uh, and invite people in. It's sort of like, again, like inviting people to your table. Let's, let's talk, let's sip something. And you can use audio, you can use video. And then there's this really in, engaging chat underneath all of it, you know, where you can throw the memes up and the gifts and everything. And she was like, I want to do, uh, you know, she was like, we were like, we have this feature coming out. Would you be down? And she was like, all about it. And it was amazing to not only see how open she was, right? Like truly just felt comfortable and was sharing things that I don't think any of us had heard, but how powerful, how much it meant to the community. And you could see it in real time. There was this symbiotic dynamic. And again, we've seen lives and chats all the time. But it was really beautiful to see that, like, the intention that we set forth with this community to be, again, safe, rewarding, and super fun and enriching coming to life. And for someone like Carrie, who does so much, to just feel comfortable. And she she stayed for, you know, like an hour and then afterwards came back, you know, like an hour later just to engage in the chat. You know, she didn't she didn't know how to um uh, close the room out or close the tea party out. So the chat just kept going for like an hour. And then she popped back in and then was answering more questions later. Uh, it was really, really wonderful. So all that said to say, I think it's remarkable to have a space that's not just about celebrity in the traditional sense where it's like, hey, come look at me. Hey, come you know, engage with my selfies or whatever. But it's no, let's be a part of this community together. Let's talk. That's pretty exciting. We'll be right back after this message from our sponsor. Leaning into the idea of of what creators look like for you guys, obviously the creator economy and the influencer is a really, really big growing space right now worth billions. So curious, what does the roadmap for creators look like on Spill, whether that be creator payouts or partnerships with brands or kind of how are we thinking about it from that perspective? Yeah, it's it's really again, core to the mission of Spill, right? Not just uh, payouts. And I think money gets talked about a lot in the creator economy, understandably. But I think the other issue that we've seen, especially when it comes to, you know, Black and queer and, you know, creators from underserved groups is credit. Who originated something and that person really getting to be able to benefit when that, you know, cultural totem, you know, whatever it might be, ends up becoming the thing that everybody else does. And so we focused on those two things, one from a technological standpoint. So we're looking at next generation technologies. Blockchain is in is one of them, but there's a few other ones as well that will allow us to create an immutable record of what you create on Spill, regardless of whether people are on the platform or not. Like we can say, no, this started then. <laughs> this trend started here and it started then and this person authored it. Um, And then the second, of course, is rewards. And I think rewards can take a number of different forms. You know, compensation is one of them. Um, But as it relates to brands, we've been doing that already. And a concrete example is um, uh, we when we released our beta, I think it was just after you and I met in June, uh, we had our uh, first advertiser, Lionsgate Films. They had a film called The Blackening uh, that was coming out right around Juneteenth. 
And so they were running, you know, we have sponsored units on the platform. You can have the first spill when you open the app or the spill board, which is our top 10 hottest spills. You can buy placements in there. So we had a couple of units for them. Uh, but what we did was actually source creators from the platform and actually take them to the premiere of the blackening so they could actually interview the cast and then cut content. And then they get to share that and tell their story, their experience of the film and connecting. And that was all because we had this really wonderful integrated partnership and it was all very successful. And actually the practice of live spilling was actually, I think our first ever live spill was several weeks later, once the blackening was released uh, for on streaming. Um, we actually started the practice around that. We were like, hey, this could be a cool idea. And the community was like, oh, yeah, let's do it. Um, and it was so successful that now the community does it several times a week. And we have um, had several partners do uh, sponsored live spills, and we integrate creators into that uh, as well. So it's um, those are sort of the early indicators of ways in which we can you know, reward the community um, and, our, and the creator ecosystem that we're hoping to build long term. Talking about the idea of marginalized communities kind of finding a space in, in spill, I'm curious, and, and also the idea of credit. I think what's important here is you have this ideology of brands kind of capitalizing on cultural moments um, without giving credit to the people that created said cultural moments. So creating a space for marginalized people, how does that tie into you guys to spills pitch to advertisers? Is it a draw? How are you talking to them about it being that kind of space? Well, I think the first thing to understand about the audience of Spill, of course, it's, you know, we talk about multicultural communities and things. And I think sometimes, especially in the advertising world, that gets sort of associated with niche or, you know, not, you know, maybe that's not where we spend our top dollar or something like that. Or, you know, we or we have programs twice a year for those things, but it's not an always on strategy. And I think what we're saying to the advertising world is, First and foremost, we have the data to prove that black, especially black communities, uh, queer communities, other other marginalized communities historically are just over indexing on content performance and engagement on the platform. It's just good business and not twice a year, but year round when you have these culture drivers and, and we call them culture drivers because <laughs> they are driving the culture. They are telling you, they are deciding what's cool, you know, what's, what's vibey, what's going to be the next big thing. And there's also a loyalty in our communities that is unmatched, right? Once we decide, you know, we ride it for you, you know, uh, what's, what's the, uh, oh, 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 Riley okay. auto party, you know, once we decide, once we decide we like something, uh, you know, we're riding for it and going to defend it and show up. And I think there's a, a premium that needs to be placed on that, that really transcends traditional forms of especially digital marketing, right? And not all impressions are the same. Not all engagements are the same. We, you need a more sophisticated system to understand that. So we're building that. We're building tools to allow um, brands and advertisers to not just come in and target specific audiences by the traditional demographics, even though we have deep demographic data that other platforms don't have. But it's really by, um, we have a, a system that we're going to roll out uh, in, in Q1 of next year called Vibe Check, 
So a vibe check is a way for everybody on the platform to essentially understand what are the norms and behaviors and things that will allow you to, you know, really shine on spill. So it's designed to actually be a creator funnel. It's, it teaches you how to engage and it's just about simple stuff, right? Like talk to people, you know, show up each day, you know, create things. It doesn't have anything to do purely with how many followers you have or even necessarily how many engagements you get per post. It's really how how strong a member of the community you are, because those are the people like we've heard about nano influencers mm-hmm. and things like that. The strongest people, the most influential people are the ones in your group chat that you trust that are like, OK, if Kamiko's talking about it, I'm going to pay attention. And that's really what you're going to get on spill. So that's that's our core thesis, again, to super serve a culture drivers. And that's what we have. But let's also talk about our communities are creative, you know, joyful, like uh, young. You know, our platform is skewing 60% female. So it's just really dynamic and, um, you know, has, you know, we've had a tremendous inbound um, flow of just interest in the, in the platform and, and partnering with us uh, because I think, you know, brands and agencies understand that. This is where you want to start, especially if you're launching a new product or you're trying to, you know, really reinvent your brand and you want to future proof it for the next 10 to 20 years. You better be investing in these audiences. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about the advertisers that we've had thus far. If I'm not mistaken, you guys came out the gate pretty swinging pretty heavy with Lionsgate. So who, Lionsgate, who else have yeah. we had? So, what have those activations been? Yeah, so we've had um, Lionsgate, Sony Pictures, Paramount Plus, VH1. We've got an Amazon uh, program coming soon that we've just locked in and a bunch of others, really exciting ones too, uh, <laughs> that are, that are coming up in Q, Q1 24, but it's been wonderful. Um, and those programs have ranged from, you know, there's the entertainment pieces, of course, which is a really nice organic fit. Uh, but we're also having a lot of great, um, conversations on some programs with CPGs and, you know, other, um, other industries, auto, you know, looking at, you know, um, uh, some beverage industries as well, right? Um, because it's ultimately about community <laughs> and, and bringing people together. And so we can, the flexibility when you have just a really engaged audience that just loves to hang out with each other, <laughs> you know, they just like want to get together and like have some fun. Uh, there's so many great ways to integrate uh, products and, and programs and campaigns around that. And then, of course, you know, um, this is a message, again, I want to continue sending to the whole advertising industry, um, not thinking about, oh, it's it's Black History Month. So, oh, now we got to go talk to the, <laughs> you know, like, no, always on strategy. It Every every day on spill is Juneteenth. Every day is pride. Every day is, you know, single de Mayo, whatever it is, you know, like you don't need to wait for a specific holiday, you know, or, you know, um, annual milestone to really activate with these communities because it makes sense on our platform. We are, you know, we are celebrating non-binary communities every Thursday. We have mixed Thursday. You know what I mean? Like it just happens. It's what the community is always talking about. Yeah. For any advertisers that may be listening, I'd be curious for um, you to kind of walk us through what ad offerings are available right now in terms of, you know, getting in front of this community paid, paid opportunities. Yeah. So there's um, a couple of immediate opportunities that are available today and then a bunch of cool stuff coming in Q1. So I'll, I'll, What's available today, um, I'll go down that first. 
Um, we have uh, the main, we have two feeds in Spill when you join. You have the fresh tea, which is kind of like a massive group chat of thousands of people <laughs> kind of conversating all the time. And then you have my brew, which is your customized feed that you build over time and you get the idea. So we have promoted units that can go, uh, a first spill unit that can go in either of those feeds. So the first uh, time people open the platform, they will see that unit super evenly high impact, does really well. Um, and that's something that we've done in a lot of our programs uh, and then when you pull down the green tab, I know we're on audio, so I'm going to describe <laughs> describe a describe an app, describe a world where this like <laughs> wall of green comes down. Um, this spillboard, it's sort of like our take on exploring, but it's the top ten hottest spills in the last you know several hours, and there's all trends underneath that. So you can actually sponsor the spill board itself, have the first position unit and sponsor a hashtag, which people can then follow. So if you have a particular campaign message or, you know, a product or anything like that, you, you can sponsor both those units and really use it as a way to, you know, create a container and a conversation that can be easily followed. Um, and then we just released tea parties last week, which is so much fun. So the tea parties, again, think of them as like in-app events, like, Think of the best parts of AIM chat, <laughs> you know, like the excitement when it's like, oh, people are getting together, you know, like, oh, then, you know, um, that kind of thing with uh, sort of modern take on live video and audio, which you can actually choose. So it's just an incredible way to, um, and they've been so successful off the top. And that's what Kerry Washington did, as mentioned. Um, and they're, you know, they're fun for games. They're fun for, you know, we have dating games going on right now. We have DJs, you know, spinning at night and, you yeah. know, tea parties. It's just so much fun. Um, those are uh, sponsorable and we have promoted units, uh, you know, ways to amplify and help drive um, both uh, RSVPs to your tea party and while the tea party is live. So those are available now. And then coming in the future, I won't say exactly what the products are, but imagine a world. <laughs> in which you can get the benefits and the precision and uh, reach, you know, especially within, you know, desired demos uh, of digital and social with the combined impact of experiential as well. Mm, okay. We really think the future of ad offerings uh, is going to bring all these pieces together. I think traditionally everybody's like, oh, I do my events over here and the da, 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 da. No, you come to Spill, uh, we're developing, you know, tool sets um, and models where you can kind of do that all at once. Um, and we have some really exciting partnerships. Oh, I wish I could say it right now. It's coming soon. Um, it's just, just, just imagine as much fun as you're having, you know, talking about memes and stuff, you're having it in real life too. And those two things bridging. Yeah. Now, obviously you guys are in your advertising bag right now, it seems. <laughs> Yes. Um, and this is a sticky yeah. question, but I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask. Have we broken? I know we just finished up some some more funding and things like that, but have we? Has advertising made its way into our revenue yet? Uh, for spill, you yes. mean? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. We have, uh, as mentioned, we have. I think we've had uh, six campaigns that we've completed thus far, and again, we're in beta, so all of this. 
you know, we're very transparent. A lot of these are pilots and we're going to test and learn. And, you know, we want to grow and build long-term relationships with our agency and brand partners as well. Uh, but yeah, we've already started uh, seeing revenue, which is, again, for a company that was a twinkle in my eye <laughs> a year ago uh, and a product that hasn't been out more than four and a half months, I think at this point, for us to already be monetizing, we're way ahead of any other, you know, uh, competitors sort of at our stage. So we're really proud of what we've accomplished. Yeah. Any willingness to share what projections look like as we round out this year and go into next year for ad revenue? Oh, I, I wouldn't add any projections. I will say we're looking, I think Q1 conservatively, we're going to do at least double what we've done this quarter, if not more. Um, and so I, I'm going to be very bullish about <laughs> Uh, where we go in 24. I think the, especially as tea parties and we're seeing again, just some really great success, uh, early indicators there. I think that's going to be really attractive, uh, for any brand or advertiser across any industry because you want an engaged audience talking about your product and being excited. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, not for nothing. I think brand safety is also top of mind for a lot of advertisers right now, especially with, um, you know, misinformation, hate speech and things like that on other platforms. So curious, how is Spill thinking about those guidelines, those parameters, not only, you know, as it pertains to users, but advertisers as well? Yeah, absolutely. I'd say one of the core tenets of why Spill was created was to create, again, a safer, more rewarding and more fun space. So we have really, I would say, the most progressive community guidelines out of any major social platform out there or even some of the new entrants, right? We don't just say, hey, we're going to hide the hate over here and maybe you won't have to deal with it if it's not your cup of tea. It has no place on our platform. So brands can have full confidence that not only are you not going to, you know, we have very strict guidelines on, you know, what's like PG-13 yeah. versus you know, <laughs> R and those types of things. We're, we're, we're pretty strict on that. Uh, but if it's, you know, different topics or types of conversations um, that brands wouldn't want their content to show up next to uh, coming from a brand marketing background myself, that's um, incredibly important. And um, we're being very strict with that. So I think that, again, is something that we could only do by learning from the last 20 years, where I think a lot of platforms thought, hey, we have to have these kind of ambiguous mm -hmm. <laughs> guidelines when it comes to especially trust and safety, uh, because it might mess with our business model. Our business model is built around trust and safety, you know, and especially for protecting groups and conversations and all the things that brands would want for them, you know, as well. So have confidence. When you work with us. And then from the user standpoint, a couple months ago, there was um, some some dust kind of kicked up around the idea of like who Spill's leadership was, what it was created for and things like that. Um, so would love to know kind of how you guys navigated making sure the audience knew who it was for, what the users for, that type of thing. Yeah, I think, you know, anytime you're experiencing such a surge of growth, right, uh, like we experienced um, and especially we are new faces. I'm a new face, you know, the people, the world hasn't met me yet. I mean, getting well, to know me, now. it seems like a little <laughs> bit more. <laughs> um, I understand how there was, you know, maybe some confusion or questions, but I think when you look back at our original, <laughs> you know, our original like 
scrap it was a squarespace website i think that we threw up last december where it was like hey this is our vision for spill you know sign up if you want to join the wait list it was clear we are centering black communities queer communities other marginalized groups around the world the culture drivers um and we're open to anyone who wants to join but this is who we're centering and so i think there was maybe a little bit of confusion of like exclusivity mm-hmm. or we're keeping certain groups you can't join which is just not anything we ever said, right? And also not beneficial for our communities, ultimately, right? Like if I want to support culture drivers, you know, uh, if you're, if you run a soul food restaurant, anybody can go get some soul food, you know, go, you know, anybody can go grab a plate. That's great. Anybody can buy hip hop music, right? It's clearly made with an audience in mind mm-hmm. and centering certain groups, but anybody can patronize that. And I want our creators on spill to benefit from that as well. They should be able to be seen by anyone all over the world. And there's also, you know, when we get out of the United States, we have a very binary sense of things here in this culture. But when you go to the continent, right, when you go to Kenya or you go to West Africa, you know, like everybody's black, you know, so it's like there's all these other different dynamics in play. And I don't want anybody to feel excluded, you know, because of, you know, one particular regional thought that we have, you know, spill needs to exist in the world. It need we everybody deserves a place to feel safe. You know, the Asian community, right? I, I watched Stop Asian Hate for years at Twitter and we could do nothing Right. And it was horrendous. And I was like, I want that community to be able to benefit, you know, from the technology that we're building and the guidelines that we've set forth and the vibe that we're curating. Uh, I want communities in Brazil. I want communities. You know, anyway, I can go on. <laughs> but that um, that's always been the mission of Spill. Right. It always will be the mission of Spill. And I don't think that in any way would take away from the core audiences that we're centering right now. It's going to enhance Last question for you is a philosophical one, if you'll entertain me. With all the changes that we've seen in social media, what do you see the next iteration of social media, social media 2.0, if, you, if you'll say it? Um, what does that look like to you? It looks like a couple of things. I think first, it's placing human beings, which sounds radical, I know for technology, <laughs> maybe, you know, in the world of AI, where it's like everything's going to be automated. It's placing human beings at the center and our experience at the center of the value chain, right? Every product feature, every marketing campaign, every revenue model, all of that stuff has to bring value and center the human being. And in particular, I think the the biggest opportunities are obviously folks that don't normally get that, you know, around the world, right? And I think... That means practically understanding also, if, especially for younger audiences, right? Like I'm a little bit, you know, aging, you know, age myself, but like I remember when there wasn't social media, right? Like I was a little kid and I know what that was like, but there's a whole generation that, and from now on, every young person in the world is going to grow up with this, right? And it's extremely powerful and extremely risky and can be really damaging if it's not really thoughtfully put together in a way that brings the best parts of it, which is like, wow, I can find people like me around the world, connect, feel a sense of community, sense of belonging, feel all those types of things. And it can facilitate my growth rather than hinder it, right? So I think social media, to put a quotable on it, 
the future of social media is to become truly social. It should help you find your community. It should help you find people to meet up with in real life. It should help you, you know, gain skills and, you know, uh, participate in broader moments that give you a sense of meaning and belonging in the world instead of alienating you, instead of making you feel like you're less than, instead of making you feel like the world is a nasty place, you know, and I don't want to engage with it uh, because I think that's the moment, unfortunately, that it's gotten to yeah. for a lot of people. In this in this next iteration, is there space for brands and advertisers? How did they show up here in these communities? Absolutely. I think there's not just space, but kind of sadly, <laughs> uh, a need <laughs> and an obligation, I would say. I've talked to a lot of major monster brands, you know, recently. And, you know, the, the buzzword is community. Yeah. Yeah. How can industry help facilitate community when, unfortunately, our society is not so good at it anymore, right? Uh, the talk of third spaces not existing anymore, you know, like there's no after school programs. There are, you know, all those types of things, which I think in some ways is a little overblown. But like, how can brands and advertisers do this in a way that not only benefits their bottom line, but actually does like public service good, I think is totally the moment we're in. And there are certain brands who I think are ahead of others. And, and this is also, let's be honest, hard for businesses to do that weren't designed for that. <laughs> so I think companies and brands and agencies need to take the time to really be like, okay, we're actually, if we're going to do this community building thing, and we know that this is essential to our bottom line, you got to give yourself the resources. You got to give yourself the timeline. You got to bring in some experts and thought leaders on community building and all that other stuff. So you understand people and their core problem sets so that when you bring your product in there or your space or you're, you know, creating these different things, it doesn't just show up as, oh, it's a transactional thing, right? And they'll be gone tomorrow when it's the next trend. But it's like, no, we're future proofing our business. This is our business at the end of the day. And the products and services that we offer are solving problems for the communities that we're serving rather than, you know, just extracting, you know, value. Absolutely. If that makes sense. Absolutely. Fonz, you have been such a treat to be able to chat with today. I really appreciate you spending some time and stopping by the Diddy Day podcast. Kamiko, thank you for having me. I can't wait till next year when we're on another boat yes. looking at the French Riviera together. And, and having tea and coffee again. I will still have tea and still be getting judged by the French <laughs> joyfully. We'll be back here next week with another episode of the Digiday Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. <laughs>